When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome to Sustainable Success Show. We're in our third show and things are going great. Again, you can find us on Facebook at the Sustainable Success page and please uh, visit to uh, make uh, yourself present. Uh, Feel free to contribute. We'd love to hear from you. Today, we have a great show. Uh, The topic today that we're going to be discussing is called Reinventing Yourself in the Future Workplace for Sustainable Success. As we talked about on previous episodes, sustainable success means a lot of different things for different people. But in terms of reinventing yourself for the future workplace, this is something that definitely requires somebody to be very creative and uh, and have a lot of flexibility. I'd like to introduce our two guests uh, today, Brian Matamore and Christopher Bishop, and I'd like to give a, b- a brief background about both. Uh, Brian is the co-founder and chief idea guy at the Growth Engine Innovation Agency, and he is uh, has worked with a wide variety of different uh, companies, developing new ideas and innovative uh, strategies to take them to the next level. Uh, Brian has uh, delivered content and appeared uh, with the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, CNBC, and Forbes, among many others. Now, Chris has a very interesting background as well. He has worked as a touring rock musician uh, with Robert Palmer. He's a jingle producer, worked several several years with IBM, uh, working with various different types of strategy programs, and, and he is on the board for the TEDx Times Square and has delivered many different talks about improvising careers at many universities and industry conferences worldwide. I'd like to introduce you today to both Brian Matabor. And Christopher Bishop, welcome. Hey, Chris. Well, Thank good you. to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks, yeah, Brian. This is the other Chris. Glad to be hey, here. Chris. Looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have both of you here on the show today. And this is a great topic that I think is really going to open the eyes of a lot of people, especially as we uh, head into the future. And, you know, the workplace is definitely evolving. As we mentioned, you know, sustainable success requires one to ha- to be very creative and to have a lot of flexibility out throughout their lifetime. So what I'd like to have here from both of you is can you provide more insight to this particular area and how you have to reinvent yourself for the future workplace? Uh, sure. Well, sure. maybe I'll. This is Brian. Maybe I'll start. I'll talk about the creative part of this, and uh, maybe Chris can talk about how it's applied to to your personal life. Um, so, as you as you said, Chris, uh, at the opening of the show, I'm an expert in uh, creativity and ideation process. So we we help companies come up with new ideas, and over the years, we've invented literally dozens of different techniques to help people come up with new ideas. And, and, and there are also techniques in the literature, uh, and some of these are named semantic intuition and patent prompts and triggered wishing and, and uh, technology triggers, etc. So there's a whole list of different techniques out there to help uh, organizations and teams get new ideas. 
So what we've done, what Chris Bishop and I have done, is taken some of these techniques that have literally helped companies invent billion, billions of dollars of new products um, and applied them now to um, people helping to reinvent their own futures. Because if you think about it, um, the future is an unknown, just like the new product. You have to be creative about what that future could be, number one, um, envision the, the possible scenarios of the future, and number two, you have to be creative about how your skills how your talents, how your interests, how your passions uh, might tie into those future scenarios. And so with that, I'll hand it off to Chris here. Chris, who has uh, had at least seven uh, careers and is probably on his eighth or ninth. Yeah, well, thanks, Brian. Great, Thank Brian. you, Chris. Yeah, I, uh, so I'm, I've currently had seven careers so far. I describe myself as a nonlinear, multimodal careerist. And uh, upon reflection, a few years ago, I kind of realized I'm somewhat the poster child for the way today's learners are going to work in the global borderless workplace. So I've looked back on all these transitions from touring rock musician to jingle producer to web producer to, again, 15 years at IBM, as Chris mentioned, and uh, looked for sort of unifying concepts, if you will. And I found several, and that's what Brian and I are working on, helping people think about Sustainable success in careers in the, in the future workplace is going to require, you know, as Brian is saying, creativity and reinvention and the ability to look for opportunity where you might not think opportunity would be. So new jobs, for example, not to get too specific, but are going to take place at the intersection of disciplines that have, say, historically not connected. That's how I, I put it, right? So there's lots and lots of opportunity for sustaining success if you look for the ways that the job market's going to morph and change. Some of the examples I cite are nanopharmacy. So that's a new skill that's going to require someone to be aware of engineering at the um, molecular scale and pharmacology delivering drugs at an atomic level. So that job didn't exist, but that's an opportunity, again, to be successful and sustain success by looking for those kinds of unusual or unexpected uh, opportunities. Wow, that, that is great, Chris. And and when you look at, you know, what what is your sense of how the job market will change as a result of this reinvent, reinvention? You know, how will they apply to the workplace? If you guys can expand a little bit further on that. Yeah, so, I mean, the, one of the things that I, when I speak in universities and in other settings, um, three of the things I like to call out, are that 85% of the jobs that today's learners are going to do haven't been invented yet. And that applies to all age groups. I mean, certainly it's easy to say that kids in elementary school, you know, that that statistic is, is easy to apply to them. But again, people are living longer, retirees who may leave a corporate setting at in their mid-60s or early 60s, and given, you know, the increased longevity that um, that people are having now, they may live and work until they're, you know, into their 80s or even 90s. Um, So looking at opportunities for working not just as someone entering the workplace, but someone who may have had a career uh, in a corporate setting, there's lots of opportunities as well. The other, the second thing I say is they're going to use technology that doesn't exist yet, doesn't exist today. We're going to look at iPhones and say, our grandkids are going to say, you mean you had to carry something around and touch it? to, like, interact with data? How lame is that, Grandpa? What a bummer that must have been. And the other thing is they're going to be solving problems we don't yet know are problems. And tying that to jobs and the workforce, 
Tim O'Reilly, quite a well-known author and uh, event promoter, says, you know, as long as there are problems, there'll be jobs. So I certainly um, ascribe to that belief as well. And I would say, this is Brian, that, you know, there's the whole sort of inside the corporation, and, and then, of course, there is the whole uh, movement, especially among the millennials, to, to start new new ventures, right? And, uh, you know, um, this, this is not so much as a plug, but just to mention that um, a professor at, at Columbia, entrepreneur, um, their entrepreneur studies there at Columbia University had, had come to me and said, you know, one of our problems is that our students, their ideas are not very good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he felt that only about eight percent of the ideas were really worthy of new ventures, and so he had asked me to create a program to help them be more creative about their own um, thinking about what the future could be and the ventures they could create. That led to my my book, Twenty One Days to a Big Idea, with different processes to do that. But the bigger point here is that um, we all need to be creative about creating the future, whether it's a future job within an organization or outside an organization. Yeah, absolutely. That's well put. Chris, Any you want to expand on that? Well, just saying, again, in terms of uh, sustainable success, right, that uh, people should keep in mind that the, you know, the, the workplace, the workforce, culture, and society, business writ large is all changing and accelerating at an increasingly rapid pace. Uh, driven by technology, technology is going to impact every vertical, every business, mom-and-pop stores to global multinational corporations, and the impact of technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, robots, um, autonomous vehicles, on and on, are going to impact health care and education and travel and transportation. But again, all representing opportunities, chances to be creative, to find new ways to do things, new ways to contribute, new ways to drive business models and ultimately make money and be successful. Great. Yeah, and I, the last thing I would say about that is that, you know, this, this creates both fear and opportunity, <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm. fear and creativity or, or <laughs> curiosity and control. You know, these sort of, it's, it's almost like um, a, a Chinese proverb or something, you know, you have both sides of the equation here. And, and we even see it with our clients, you know, when we're doing um, ideation work or focus groups or whatever it is. Um, we see them wanting to check the boxes off, right? You know, okay, let's go to the next step. Let's go to the next step. We're all we're all crazed here, and they really start to freak out when amb- ambiguity happens, when consumers are saying conflicting things, and they're they aren't quite sure what's going on. Well, you know, in the in the future world that we're all <laughs> creating and a part of, there's going to be even more ambiguity than there is now, and so. Um, you know, you can look at that as a threat or something to be feared, or you can look at it as an opportunity uh, for for greater depth of thinking um, and for greater insight. And with those greater insights will come uh, more opportunities. So you, if, you're, if your antenna is out, which Chris and I have talked a lot about, to, to what's happening in the world, and you're tuned into your own skills, the combination of those things can create immense opportunities. And, and I would hope your listeners would know that they should never, never be, fearful is the wrong word, but never feel that they can't come up with an idea to um, improve their lot or to sustain their success or invent the future because, because now these uh, technologies and creative approaches exist. 
and it's just a matter of um, sort of a po- first knowing what they are, but secondly, applying them um, to create new opportunities for themselves. No, and this raises a lot of great questions, you know, that I that I can uh, I'm going to ask you guys, and we may bring this into the second uh, segment after break. Uh, but in terms of, you know, there there are a lot of millennials now, and you know, a lot of these people have some great ideas, and but a lot of times people are afraid to bring these ideas to the table because they feel that, well, you know, I can't see somebody. Uh, you know, monet- I can't see myself monetizing this. I can't see how somebody's going to want what I do and yeah. you know would buy for me. Can you explain how you know someone that has a passion or purpose with a great idea to kind of overcome that thinking, so to speak? That a lot of times the craziest ideas end up changing lives and changing you know markets and how we do things. Think about how what Apple did with Steve Jobs and and what he's done. If you can expand upon that for the listeners, that would be great. Well, yeah, I I think both of us should take a shot at this. Is Brian? I I, yeah. I think you know two things. One is is the idea itself, and and a lot of you know how many times have we met people at cocktail parties who said, "Oh, I great idea, but I but I can't do it." Um, there's and so my advice to them is usually, well, use that idea. Uh, maybe you don't want to start a business. All of us are not equipped or interested or have a passion for starting a business. So maybe they use that idea to get a job. You know, I talk to a lot of job hunters, and they say, oh, gosh, I send my resume, nothing happens. Well, you, you can be creative um, in your interviews about new possibilities, new markets that these firms can go after, and, and you can sort of be, you know, you can be an entrepreneur. You can be creative within, organ, within an organization, and if you're in the right company, that will be extremely fulfilling work because you'll get to self-actualize uh, with your ideas. You'll get the satisfaction of seeing them come out in the marketplace. It'll provide employment and opportunities for all the people you work with, and you'll have a team to help you get this stuff done. So that's, that's on the inside. So that's the power of ideas, even if you're looking for a job or within an organization. Um, certainly, if you're outside of an organization, um, it takes an idea. It takes great ideas, but it also takes, you know, all the hard work and passion and, and, and you know, skills to, to make that idea happen. And by the way, I would say the, the, the creative methodologies that we use to help companies bring ideas to market those are about creative problem solving as much as they are the big idea. You know, um, some clients have said to us, yeah, we have plenty of ideas. The hard thing is getting them to market or innovating them. And we've taught them, and, and Chris has done this as well, where you really give them the tools and the strategies and the processes to, to look at all those challenges in terms of making an idea happen within an organization as just other creative problems to be solved. And so um, these, all these methodologies that Chris and I know and are talk about and we'll probably get into later in the show, um, all of these um, can be used not only to get the big idea, but to, quote, make the big idea happen. Yeah, oh, I would, great. just to, to, to chime in, this is Chris. Uh, I mean, I love starting this kind of discussion with a quote from Albert Einstein, who I'm paraphrasing, but it basically said, if your idea doesn't seem ridiculous at first, then it's not a big enough idea. So I would say that to listeners, certainly to millennials. The other thing I would say is a couple, a couple of aspects of where we are in culture and society today that work toward enabling people with great ideas to, uh, to develop them and execute against them. One is that we're in what we're calling the gig economy with contingent workers, right, where people 
uh, work multiple jobs, uh, some simultaneously, concurrently, some sequentially, uh, that the days of working, say, at IBM, as I did, for 30 years, I mean, I was there 15, but our, our old... It only seemed those, like 30, right, Chris? Okay. <laughs> it seemed like, like 50, no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that model is gone, right? So I have a friend uh, who works at uh, IBM. She's a millennial. She works in corporate communications. And she says, you know, I work in social media at, uh, at Big Blue during the day. And then at night, I'm a seamstress. I design clothing and dresses. And on the weekends, I'm a DJ. So just saying that as a model for um, certainly millennials or anyone with a great idea, I mean, to, to do your day job, if you will, and then carve out time to do something maybe that you're passionate about that may or may not turn into a business, um, depending on the degree to which, as Brian was saying, you can uh, use your creativity in a, a more traditional corporate or business setting. But that's one way to look at it. The other thing is that the power of social media enables people to get funding, to promote a product, to engage and build a network of potential clients, partners, uh, supply chain relationships, media, journalists, you know, whatever. You can go to GoFundMe or Kickstarter or Indiegogo and get some money to start a, a business, do it all on the web. People from all over the world will jump in and help you out if they think you have a good idea. And you can promote it on Twitter and LinkedIn and Pinterest and YouTube and Vimeo, uh, you know, wherever the appropriate channel might be. But there are, again, lots of opportunities to take a creative idea and do something with it. Yeah, I, I would just share one example that I was impressed with, and I actually ordered it. It was on a Kickstarter campaign, and a guy... Talk about simple. Oh, my gosh. I think he wanted to raise maybe $15,000, $20,000. It was a strip that you could attach to yep. a wall, uh, you know, a, a, a vertical surface, if you will. But it had um, uh, slots where you could put Legos on, on in there, and they would snap oh. in there. So you could essentially wow. do a Lego uh, on the wall, right? A, a 3D <laughs> cool. Lego that's suspended oh. on the wall. Well, how simple is that idea, right? I mean, it's incredibly simple, right? And I think he oh. wanted to raise $15,000. Well, when I went on to order this thing, they had over a million dollars worth of commitment for this idea. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, cool. All right. So, well, hey, I'd like to continue this. We're going to be going to break here in about five seconds. So I'd love to expand, Brian, on that point when we get back. And uh, again, everybody, you're listening to the Sustainable Success Radio Show. We'll be right back with both Brian and Chris talking about reinventing the workplace. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. 
You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back to Sustainable Success. We, again, have a great topic here with both that we're discussing with both Brian Matamore and Christopher Bishop. And we had left off just talking a little bit about reinventing the uh, workplace and how creativity and flexibility are key ingredients to that area. Chris and Brian, I'd like to ask you, what are the physiological differences between the different generation levels as it applies to this topic that we're discussing today? Well, um, you know, they're younger. (laughs) (laughs) We know that. Uh, you know, that we, because we do work with so many corporations at, at so many levels, um, we do see the generational gaps, you know, between the millennials and the Gen Xs and Gen Ys and the baby boomers and all those kind of things. And I, I do think um, these are not, you know, sort of trend made up sort of things. We, we see it every day where the millennials will often have just ideas so far much further out, uh, so much more in tune with the times than some of the the older managers, so that it can be a it can be a tough run for them to get those ideas to happen. Um, I do think it's a real opportunity for for many corporations in the U.S. to f- to figure out how to um, champion the ideas of millennials. And and I think if they don't do that, they, what they're finding is that they don't have they have trouble attracting that talent and retaining that talent. 
Um, on the on the plus side, um, we have like one of our clients is Pitney Bowes, and you know it's an old it's an established company, right? They're trying to reinvent themselves. They are reinventing themselves. Um, but what they've done is they've created a program of um, sort of action learning creativity, where you know they get real world challenges and they get um, high potentials millennials to work on those challenges while we teach them uh, some of these creative techniques. And these can be four month projects. So they have the joy of creating something new that has been authorized and championed by the corporation and at the same time they're learning these techniques. So in some sense they're reinventing their jobs every day within the organization and I think for senior management that's a huge challenge on the one hand and a huge opportunity on the other hand. Absolutely. So so this is Chris. I would say until recently there was uh, much more discussion around a cleaner bifurcation, if you will, between, say, millennials, which would be the, talked about as digital natives, and sort of the rest of us, you know, digital immigrants. But I think nowadays we're really all digital citizens. So in terms of using uh, technology and mobile devices and wearables and and uh, computers and Facebook or whatever, they, you know, we're, we're kind of on a much more equal playing field, level playing field, if you will. I mean, I think the fastest growing demographic on Facebook is like 45 to 55. So that's a big change. And it goes back to sort of the sustainable success idea is that, um, you know, people, millennials have ideas that um, that older generations, Gen X, boomers, uh, traditional, whatever, uh, think are good ideas. Uh, so there's a lot of co-mingling of sort of concepts about, Work. Certainly they have different perspectives, say, on leadership and authority, uh, and those can be challenging in the workplace. But we're seeing examples similar to what um, Brian was describing. I witnessed a, a program at MasterCard where they have reverse mentoring. They have a young millennial employee in communications, she's 23, Rebecca, working with the CHRO, Chief Human Resources Officer, showing him how to use Twitter and how to use LinkedIn and what the value prop is and how to make himself more visible and how to mix personal and business in, in the right uh, formula, the right equation, if you will. So lots of opportunity to leverage generational expertise and perspective in this multi-generational workforce that we're seeing today. Wow, that's great. And, and, and to expand upon that, you guys brought something interesting up when we had talked offline. Uh, you talked about uh, which I like to, the listeners to hear, how will skills that were available in 1980 that are that are, were considered valuable translate to skills into the future, let's say 2080? Uh, Chris, why don't you take that and I'll jump in. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I was, actually, I was just at a talk this morning by a, a futurist. I, I cast myself as a futurist. He was talking about what do you think the most common name in the country is, in the U.S.? Two beat pause. Okay, your turn. Still your turn. The answer is Smith. So in 1850, 1% of the population were blacksmiths. Um, however, when sort of manufacturing and the industrial revolution came along, it was full bore. This is really 100 years after sort of automated textile mills, but that skill went away. Like when Henry Ford started cranking out Model T's in 1910 or so in Detroit, skills like blacksmith and farrier. Uh, related to the horse and buggy kind of transportation model, 
suddenly became not as valuable, right? It's like we need a few people who know how to do that, but not nearly as many. So people had to begin looking for new new skills, and we're seeing those trends have been going on for at least 450 years, if not for 10,000 years, right? That new industries, new businesses, new models emerge and transform culture and society, um, and that, again, to be successful and sustain it, you need to be uh, embracing and understanding these transformational uh, shifts, if you will, and be prepared to uh, be successful. I always say, you know, go for the maelstrom, chase the chaos, find the mayhem, go where they don't know what it is yet. And that's important to being successful because then you'll be able to contribute and create and uh, be valuable and employable. So, Chris, yeah, would you Chris, say that – oh, go, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, as Chris was talking, it made me think of the Einstein quote, you know, imagination is more important than knowledge. And if we really push that to its extreme or, or if we think of that as, as really a, a vision or a, a statement of how you might live your life, I mean, obviously, you know, knowledge is important. We go to college and, and learn things. But, you know, more important to me in these times is the ability to creatively solve problems or to imagine new futures because, yeah. you know, because the knowledge, you know, is changing so quickly. You know, learning how to operate a slide rule or make a, a buggy whip um, is not that relevant, you know. And, and, so, and, and so the fact that these are changing now so much more rapidly than they ever were, um, I, I really don't think um, we have much of a choice and that's the negative side of it, but, you know, I like to think of the positive side of it, is that, is that to be sustainable in this world, we have to have these creative thinking skills and these imaginative thinking skills. And it's why I've devoted my life to it, A, because I think it's fun and interesting, but from a, a broader standpoint of sort of helping the planet, I think um, to survive and to thrive, we, we all need the, those, um, those inherent skills. They're already there. It's just a matter of sort of bringing them out. Yeah, that's an interesting point, and I wanted to ask both of you when when we talk about you know the skills that were back in nineteen or eighteen eighty and what they're going to be in twenty eighty. I mean, back in those days, you had true craftsmen. You know, everything was done by hand, and you know today yeah. everything is automated. You know, we have robots and we have machines that do a lot of the work in many different industries. So, I guess going forward, where there's always going to be a requirement for craftsman, you know, somebody that has skills, personal skills that can be integrated into that automation. Do you guys want to expand upon that? Yeah, let me let me give an example. Um, I, I did a video with a guy in Waterbury who he takes industrial machines from the 1880s, you know, huge breaking machines and these bend metals and all these kind of stuff. And you say, mm-hmm. okay, he, he's, he's knowledgeable about all these machines and how they work. Well, what do you do with that, right? You know, if, if things are being automated, he's turned, into, he's turned it into a business where he's creating furniture out of all these things. And that they're such cool. extraordinary pieces of art, you know, and he charges a lot of money for these things. And I, so I walked around with his factory and, you know, he showed me parts of an airplane wing or he showed me, you know, um, something and it, it just, just an odd, you know, a well razor, whatever it was, all these odd things. And I say, well, what can you do with that? And he had a very funny line. He said, well, you can always make a lamp out of it, which I thought was <laughs> kind of cool, but, 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 but he's making all kinds of, of really cool furniture out of this. And so, you know, there's, you can add creativity to that. Um, I, I think the, for me, the most important thing is the 
psychology of craftsmanship, even more so than the, the manual being a craftsman. And what I mean by that is, you know, a craftsman, God, is willing to take the time to create something that's unique and valuable and wonderful and uses their own creativity on an ongoing basis to improve something. I mean, that is something that will be forever valuable, in my opinion. Um, the, the ability to sort of um, have an eye and, and a passion for creating quality things. No, that makes yeah. sense. Like you, th- you think of what uh, you think about somebody that you know back in the day that they were an artist, and it would take a, a long time to to make uh, make their artwork, but yet. It was the emotional connection that somebody had that appreciated that that work that that artist put into it versus today where if something's just, you know, made, you know, in a in a in a in a factory and you could put it up on a wall. Well, yeah, you know, it does serve its purpose. It maybe, you know, complements the room, but you really can't appreciate it like you did that somebody that actually did it by hand. So, Chris, you were going to you were going to say something. Listen, Sam, no, I, I totally agree. I think, uh, I think there will always be a role for craftsmen and women, people creating things by hand out of materials. But the perspective I like to bring to this conversation is that uh, writing code is a craft, right? That there are uh, brilliant coders who say that writing a terrific piece of software is like writing a great short story. It has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It has to all work together and make sense. Uh, if one piece of it is broken, it doesn't work, it doesn't, you can't compile it, it won't run. So there's a certain amount of craftsmanship in sort of software development, and I think extrapolating that even further, there's lots of discussion around how artificial intelligence code is being written, and people wanting to make sure that it's written in a craftsman-like way, but also that it reflects the culture, so it's not just uh, monochromatic you know, built by guys in hoodies who have a, a sort of homogeneous worldview. Um, so I think discussion on craftsmanship needs to be brought into the modern era, creating robots. I mean, there's a certain amount of craftsmanship in creating a robot. I was just reading about these robots that are being deployed in hospitality settings, uh, in hotels that will you know, bring you your uh, the toothpaste you forgot or bring you your room service or bring you a newspaper. And they're programmed to sort of interact uh, with you and make a you make a funny sound if uh, you say something positive to them or do a little dance. So again, craftsmanship writ large is going to be, it will continue. People will still make stuff by hand, but people are uh, incorporating craftsmanship and uh, type qualities even into modern bleeding-edge technology. Yeah, and I think there's, Behind all this, there's a certain empathy for the human condition that's that's driving that. You know that the you know the sensitive robot, if you will. Well, we need people who who have that empathy and sensitivity. I also, you know, um, my son um, just graduated from UConn, and he he started out as a philosophy major, and he 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 graduated as a philosophy major, but he also got uh, a second major in psychology. And I said, why'd you do that? He said, well, I was always embarrassed at parties to say I was a philosophy major when all his friends were economics majors or, you know, um, finance majors. And, you know, I, I kept trying to dissuade him of that. And, and I'd show him articles that would, say, that would be saying that Wall Street and Silicon Valley, um, they, they weren't looking for coders. Many of them were looking for philosophy majors. And why is that? Because it teaches them how to think. 
right? Or psychology teaches you hopefully how to be somewhat empathetic for um, the human condition. And so, I mean, we, we should probably think of this as an and versus an either or. You know, the combination of sort of the craftsman mentality and the ability to think, higher order, have higher order thoughts, and to empathize with the human condition, boy, that's a winning formula in my opinion. Wow. Well, that's great, yeah. And we have a few minutes left to our next break, but I wanted to ask you guys, what is the term, what is meshwork, and how do you network for success using a range of tools and technologies? So, so it's a term, actually, that Brian and I came up with. Um, it's the, the idea is to um, conjure sort of a data visualization 3D Venn diagram, if you will. So the net of it is that we all have networks that we're connected to based on shared interests or family or where we went to school or where we worked or sports that we're interested in. Uh, and the, the concept, again, tied to the sustainable success model is that you want to be able to look at your mesh, your network, do the mesh work and deconstruct who you know and how you know them and always be growing your, your mesh, again, doing the mesh work as a daily mm-hmm. routine, really, to constantly expand based on the role you're in, the role you'd like to be in. Um, people that you've worked with that have moved to other roles, uh, thinking ahead about, you know, where you might want to be in two years. Um, and the, the tools are fantastic today to do this. I mean, I'm a big LinkedIn proponent, but I also use Twitter. And depending on um, what your personal interest is, uh, you know, there are tools like Pinterest if you're into visual imagery or YouTube if you create videos, Vimeo is another one, or Blogger or WordPress if you're a writer. So... That's kind yeah. of the meshwork approach. Okay. Yeah, and and we, we, yeah, go ahead, Brian. We're going to have about a minute, but I'm going to have you expand also after break on your version of what you perceive meshwork to be and, and also addressing the question. Yeah, I just had a quick example. I had a friend who, uh, who, who is um, nephew was a major in logistics at Quinnipiac College, and he came to me and said, "Can you give him some advice for getting a job?" And I said, "Well, he has to, you know, in, increase his network in this world." And I said, "Just find an association of logistics people because there's an association for everything on the planet, right? Go to one of those meetings, have something unique to say." You've got to have something unique to say. So I've read a book about, you know, how uh, Eisenhower conducted D-Day with his logicians and, uh, or his uh, logistics people and, and then use that to, um, to, to say something unique. And I think if you do that, you might get a job. Well, he did that, and he did wind up with a job because he had, had expanded his network appropriately and he brought an idea to it. Wow, that, that is great. And so this is great that and now people have a clearer understanding what mesh work is. And that was something that was new to me. We're going to be uh, going to break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about how do you reinvent the future? And you're going to give some examples uh, about that and a little bit of information on your workshops that you guys are planning. And we will be right back uh, soon. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. What is balance? 
It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Welcome back to the Sustainable Success Show. This is Chris Salem, your host. Again, uh, for our listeners, I want to remind you to visit our Facebook page at Sustainable Success. And please like and comment. Uh, We welcome your thoughts and your contributions to uh, what you feel about Sustainable Success are very important to us. I'm here again with uh, both Brian and Chris. We're talking about reinventing the workplace. And we've gone over a lot of great content in terms of uh, talking about this particular topic that relatively might be new to a lot of people that are listening. But we're going to talk about on this uh, last leg of our show how to reinvent the future. So, Chris and Brian, uh, let us know, let our listeners know how they can go about now implementing certain tools and technologies and and utilizing their skills to reinvent their future. So Chris, you want to jump in on that one? It started yeah, well, why don't you, why don't you lead with the why don't you do the uh okay. Yeah, so um you know we as I said at the beginning of the show, we have you know, dozens and dozens of different ideation, they're called ideation techniques to help our, our clients get, get new ideas. And, and one of them is, is kind of a word combination technique. So, you know, we've used this to help uh, Mondelez create, you know, Brownie Chips Ahoy. And, and I won't go into all the examples, but, but the idea is that you combine different worlds, mash them together, and then you can get new ideas about, um, quote, in this case, job for the future. So, 
uh, it's pretty simple. You could you could do uh, three columns of words, and in one column you could put different technologies. So you know, robotics and data science and autonomous vehicles and nanomachines, wind farms, etc. So you put all these sort of um, cutting-edge technologies in one column. In a second column, you could put different industries like, you know, legal, lawyer, you know, tourism, healthcare, logistics, communication, marketing, whatever it is, um, industries and jobs. And in the third column, you could put competencies. And these are things that, you know, sort of go through time, but they could also have certain titles like, you know, certainly a a sales director or a commentator or a curator or an analyst or a writer, biologist, whatever. So you have those three columns of words, and then you can sort of combine them based on something you're interested in or love or or, or want to potentially um, invent the future about. So let's say you're all passionate about virtual reality, right? Maybe you've you've got a law degree, right? And maybe you, you, you think you'd like to be a commentator. So maybe there's an opportunity to create a job where you you are a quote legal commentator on the future of virtual reality, and you become an expert on that, you know, or maybe it's virtual reality, tourism, and designer. So then you design uh, virtual reality tourism sites, right? Um, uh, sales oh. directors to use virtual reality to talk about tourism in order to sell sell people on traveling to faraway countries, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the technique. It's pretty simple, but it should be a lot of fun, and, and your, your viewers might even try it at the uh, dining room table and get some of your uh, millennials to help you with this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Go ahead, Chris. So, so I would say, so another um, thing that Brian and I do, another sort of workshop activity is around what we call antenna. So the idea is that there's a lot of data out there, right? We're in the data deluge, the big data tsunami, if you will, lots of terms for it, right? Uh, some number like there's been more information created in the past two years than in all of human history prior to two years ago. Anyway, um, but the idea is that this can be for sustainable success. This can be looked at as opportunity, ways to, uh, to you know, parse and rationalize and view uh, possible job opportunities are talking in the future workplace, right? So I always encourage people to use general tools like the elite newspapers, like look at the New York Times, look at the Wall Street Journal, look at uh, perhaps the Guardian if you're uh, oriented that way, and see what trends are taking place in society and business and culture. Again, back to uh, being successful, successful, you've got to have your finger on the proverbial pulse of where culture and business and economics and politics and society are trending. So there are lots of tools you can use. I mean, there's lots of stuff on the web. I'd say if people are interested in more specific technology, they can look at prosumer magazines like Wired. Uh, there's lots of stuff on TV. BBC Click is a great resource. Uh, if you're interested in sort of where the money is going, you know, what venture capital uh, people are investing in, where they think there's a pony in there, there are very specific niche kinds of publications like Silicon Valley Business Journal. Certainly some of that in the Wall Street Journal as well. But the idea is to sort of keep your antenna up and tuned in, looking for where trends are emerging and morphing. There's a lot of stuff going on in universities, in research uh, labs and corporations that will eventually get monetized. It will turn into jobs. It will represent potential for sustainable success. Uh, if you can get in early and... Uh, Follow your passion to line up, get your passion to line up with something that 
is emerging and evolving. So those are some of the kinds of tools that we, you know, we've been talking to, to people about using. And and I would just build on that because in the innovation we do, you know, at, at my company Growth Engine, we, you know, we're constantly uh, trying to trigger everybody with stimuli that's going to help them create new ideas, of course, right? And so we will always be scanning um, trend sites. So trendhunter.com is a great site. Oh, my gosh, it's fantastic. All these sites are free, by the way, and you can go on and you can search and, you know, if you have an interest in jewelry or swimming or sports, it doesn't matter. They have trends in all those industries on this site. Uh, Cassandra is another great site. Uh, Chris and I um, have been to uh, Sparks and Honey in New York City uh, where they do daily trend briefings. It's a fantastic service where they're um, looking at, I don't know, 18 feeds from around the world, putting those together in different uh, trends, and they make, you know, they have uh, clients that, that pay a lot of money for this, but they also publish uh, sort of general reports on trends in different industries that you can get for free. So th- the point here is that there's there's huge, huge sort of intellectual fodder out there that you, that you don't have to pay any money for. Yeah. The other thing I would say, too, just to follow up on that is, and again, this is a topic that that, uh, Brian and I discuss in our workshops, but that there are sort of macro, higher order thinking kinds of soft skills, lots of ways to name them and describe them, but that translate from 1880 to 1980 to 2080. Things like project management, like creative problem solving, like being able to uh, be comfortable, certainly with ambiguity, nowadays more important than ever. Being resourceful and resilient, don't shrink from uh, uh, having a great idea and pursuing it. Uh, being able to understand and work across disciplines. So even the blacksmith had to deal with the carriage owner and the ironmonger who provided them supplies. So again, those are macro skills that translate to certainly to today and to uh, future sustainable success. And, and certainly empathy in the, the human condition and also uh, selling, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think there'll be a future that d- does not involve selling in some way, shape, or form. Selling is the lifeblood, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there's that great Dan Pink book, right, about that. So. Yeah, that is a very good book. I think to, I think it's called To Sell as Human. I'm, I'm listening yeah. to it now, and there's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful book that, you know, we're all in the business of, uh, if we're not, you know, quote, classic salespeople, we're all, we're all in the business of, quote, selling our ideas and get, getting people to, um, to adopt those ideas. Um, we, uh, you know, we worked with, um, I can mention it, it was Schick, and uh, some, some women in this company had to, to sell their idea for, you know, this uh, intuition razor and, uh, because it was a male-dominated company at the time and they uh what they did which was very smart they they kept reporting good news about all the testing they were doing on this concept mm-hmm. and when when there became a hole in the launch calendar the powers that be said oh my gosh i've heard great things about that intuition razor maybe we should go launch it and so that was a case of being creative about how you um let people know about your great ideas and the, and and so that's another example of creative problem solving that's going to be important in the future no, that's absolutely. And I had a question when it comes to, especially this would be for the millennials, you know, you know, you, you know, going to college or a university is getting very expensive. And, you know, there's a lot of great ideas that evolve out of the school of hard knocks, you know, tr- you know, people just going out there doing their own thing. 
In terms of the tools and, and, and resources, do you feel that it's going to be a 50-50 between getting that through universities and other types of resources, or do you see other resources outside of just universities that people will be gravitating to to create these new jobs, these new markets, and so forth? Well, I, I actually, Chris and I have talked a lot about this. That education, in a lot of in a lot of ways, is is broken, and I do think they're going to be, and there are certainly emerging new models of uh, education. Chris, maybe you should talk to that because you've addressed conferences about this. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, you know, again, the the idea that eighty five percent of the jobs that people are going to do, you know, haven't been invented. So, how do you prepare? So, going to a traditional four-year college or even community college, very often is not going to provide skills that people need to be successful in this new workplace model. So I think they're going to be, it'll continue to be a mix. There's a company called Degreed in California, and I love it. They provide an incredible piece of code, a cloud-based tool that connects corporate learning management systems with publicly available learning assets. But not to plug their company, although they're great, I encourage your listeners should check it out, degreed.com. But more importantly, their sort of manifesto, their mantra is that the future doesn't care how you became an expert. Yeah. Wow. Meaning, like, wherever you learn, however you learn, if it's in college or on your own, watching MOOCs, you know, there's lots of free, terrific online content, Coursera, edX. Udacity, major universities are providing a lot of their courseware online for free or for minimal charge. Companies like Coursera are issuing what they call nano degrees or certificates of accomplishment uh, that many companies are, are interested in, uh, get, you know, as an as a, um, indicator that the certain people have certain skills and that they know how to do a specific kind of thing, and that they have the perseverance and the focus to realize that that's a valuable skill and go and learn it. We're seeing also companies go to online curriculum providers and say, we have a skills gap at our company. We need people who know how to do X. Can you put together courseware? Yeah. We'll fund it. You run it. And then we'll guarantee uh, the top 25% uh, performers uh, an interview with our company. Uh, Chris and Brian, we're getting we're getting close to the end of the show. We have about less than two minutes. I wanted to let the listeners know where they can find you in terms of you know for for resources that you provide, and some you know some interesting things that you're working on in this particular area that they could also find information. Brian, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. So my company is Growth Engine. We're an innovation agency based in Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, the website is growth-engine.com, and there's some idea tools on there uh, that people might find kind of fun to use. Um, my, I've written three books. The, the newest book is 21 Days to a Big Idea by Diversion. Uh, the, the, the last book, uh, the previous book, was Idea Stormers, How to Lead and Inspire Creative Breakthroughs, which is filled with you know, probably 30 of these different, quote, creative techniques. That one's uh, published uh, by Wiley Josie Bass. And and just quickly, some of the things we're working on, uh, we're helping companies do disruptive wargaming sessions, which is about envisioning uh, different futures for sure. And, of course, we're, uh, Chris and I are working together um, to create this uh, Inventure Future um, sort of keynotes and uh, day-long workshops, et cetera. Great. And Chris, we just have about 20 seconds if you want yeah. to give your information. So I just, 
Sure. I have, a, I have a website called improvisingcareers.com. There's lots of information about my backstory and worldview uh, about uh, future workplace and sustainable success in the global borderless model now. So please take well, a look. Gentlemen, I want to thank both of you. This is a, a highly valuable topic that I think is going to resonate with a lot of people. And I feel this is something that we can definitely expand upon for future shows here. And I'm very, I'm very excited about where this is going. And I want to thank both of you for taking the time today to uh, spend the time to share this uh, content with the uh, listeners of the Sustainable Success Show. So I want to thank both of you for uh, coming, coming on today. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank it was you. great. A lot of fun. Yeah, thanks Well, for thank you so much. All right. And, and again, you can find us at Sustainable Success on Facebook, and we look forward to uh, having you in, uh, on for the next show, and have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.